0: The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader.
1: Happy Friday, everybody! Hope you're doing well on this Friday, January 5th, 2024. Congratulations, we have officially made it through the first week of the new year, and it it seems like... It, it flew by but it also took a while just getting back into the rotation of of doing the show and doing things outside of the studio and everybody getting back to work and back in school like it's just that weird week of the of the start of the new year but we are just about through it on this Friday afternoon and heading into the weekend fast this is the Friday edition of on the line the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back I'm Jacob goins alongside me is always in the studio on Monday Wednesday Fridays it's Uncle T-bone here in the the studio on a Friday afternoon. Happy Friday, brother. Sun is out. It's a beautiful day and should be a great weekend in Auburn.
2: Yeah, it is a beautiful day. Glad to be here. Glad you're here listening with us. And shocker, Jacob, ba ba bye, right as we come onto the air and we're leaving Doug's show, Auburn and Philip Montgomery, breaking news, offensive coordinator, they're parting ways.
1: Parting ways, indeed. And you know, some people... May look at that and say, well, did they really part ways or was this something a little bit different, Uncle T Bone? Could this have been a hey, it's time for you to go or maybe I don't want to be here? Was it really a true? parting of ways we're going to talk about that on the show today breaking news all over the place there's some bad feelings right now that this may not be it for Auburn and this coaching staff and so we're going to talk about all of that today plus we've got college basketball we got to talk about because Auburn opens up SEC play tomorrow on the road in a snow-covered Fayetteville Arkansas did you see that they got hit with a little snow last night
2: beautiful I'd love to see a little snow on the plains but like maybe on a weekday so everybody could stay Home That's and have right. A good time, but we would still be here, obviously. But I did see that Jacob. It was beautiful, and uh, Auburn going to be a five-point favorite. It looks like when they travel up to Bud Walton Arena uh, up in the uh, great state of North of Arkansas and uh, Northwestern Arkansas up in the Ozark. So uh, that line is interesting to me. I thought it would be a little lower than that, and I'm uh, actually got a kind of a good feeling about that game, looking at that line.
1: Yeah, I was texting my buddy Ty over at ESPN Arkansas. So we've had him on Ty Richardson a good friend of mine uh, over there in Arkansas and just talking about the snow and then the atmosphere is going to be fantastic there at Bud Walton Arena so we're going to talk about that today all of the SEC games we're going to start up a little SEC pickums here on the show as SEC play begins tomorrow we'll keep track of that all the way through March so excited for that as well and most importantly it's a free-for-all Friday. Whatever you want to talk about on this Friday it. afternoon, give us a call. We want to get your input on whether what we're talking about, something else you want to talk about, anything on your mind, we want to hear from you. Give us a call, 334-321-1390. That number, again, is 334-321-1390. And as Uncle T-Bone said, we'll start with the biggest news of the day. Uh, that we got transfer portal stuff we got to talk about, too. Don't let me forget that. But biggest news of the day just broke a little bit ago. Auburn offensive coordinator Philip Montgomery will no longer be the offensive coordinator for Hugh Freeze and the Auburn Tigers. They have officially parted ways. Uh, Hugh Freeze had a, a pretty short statement. I'm not going to read it, but basically said we appreciate Phillip. He's a good coach, but I had to make a decision uh, that's best for the future of Auburn football and, you know, best of luck to him. And I want to give credit to this wild stat to, to Doug Amos, who, of course, is host of the Max Roundtable, the show before us. And this is a wild stat. And it tells exactly the situation and the status of this Auburn program, specifically the Auburn offense. When Auburn hires a new offensive coordinator for the 2024 season, this will be the seventh offensive coordinator in seven years for Auburn football. That's unacceptable. That cannot happen. It's borderline embarrassing. For an Auburn offense, Uncle t You
2: know, it's it's awful is what it is. It's indicative of just how cynically mediocre we've been over the last ten seasons as a football program. I mean, you've had seven offensive coordinators. Heck, you've had five head coaches, including two interns. 73 and 55 overall, a 57% winning percentage since 2014. 40 and 42 in league play below 500 and 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 add it to these other stats 2 and 8 against Alabama 1 and 10 against UGA there was the extra game in the SEC championship game where we completely vomited over all over ourselves 0 oh and 1 in the SEC no no SEC championships in 10 years 2 and 7 in bowls and you get there by having five head coaches and now seven offensive coordinators it's got to stop
1: it has to stop and that has been the it's been the biggest problem for Auburn since 2013, really. I mean, you've had decent offenses when Jarrett Stidham was here, but you really just haven't had great – and Bo Nix had his, his, his moments and his games and the seasons, but the thing that has plagued Auburn football for the last 10 years has been the offense and the fact that there is no consistency on the offensive side of the football. And guess what? We have callers that tell us this all the time, and they're exactly right. Offense is the thing that wins games nowadays. No question. This is not the SEC of 2008-2009 where you can win a game 17-10 to 10 and, and be comfortable with that. That's not how this works anymore. You've got to be able to move the football and, more importantly, score with the football in your hands. And Auburn just hasn't been able to do that on a consistent basis.
2: Yeah, three yards and a cloud of dust will get you dusted in football games these days. Credit to Brian Stoltz for breaking this story over at AuburnSports.com 41 minutes ago. And you said it uh Parting ways is a nice way to put it, and I quote, I informed Philip today he would not be retained as our offensive coordinator. Philip is a good coach and a good man. Decisions like this are never easy. However, I decided this is best for our program moving forward. I'm appreciative of, of his efforts. That doesn't sound like just some type of, well, hey, let's just uh, part ways and pat each other on the back. But look, uh, whether uh, or not it was a parting ways or whatever, um good luck to Philip Montgomery I thought that he would be far more effective as an offensive coordinator I said this going into the season I'm a big believer in uh people who have been head coaches that have been around and then become coordinators there's just something else it's like being the head general and then someone replacing you but you staying on staff to help out the new head general this one did not work from very early in the season. And it was evident about through the first quarter of the California game out in Berkeley that our offense had issues.
1: Yeah, and here's the thing. I continue to say this. We're in the wrong profession, Uncle T-Bone. We ought to be, we ought to be going into the coaching world because guys are getting fired left and right and paid millions of dollars to not work. Here's what happens with Phil Montgomery now that he's fired. He already was paid a million dollars this past year and he gets a full guarantee through the end of his contract. Auburn owes him $2 million now, which in today's world compared to some other contract buyouts is small. But think about it on a zoned in looking at this particular instance. You're paying somebody $2 million to not work here anymore because you don't want them here anymore because they did a bad job. Like Auburn has to quit doing this, man. Auburn is the king outside of Texas A&M of paying coaches to not work and to not be here anymore. And, man, $2 million adds up over time for a university and a college football program.
2: Yeah, if anybody doesn't think that $2 million is much money, go ahead and get your checkbook out and write Uncle T-Bone a check. I promise you I'll take it. I'm with you. These buyouts are outrageous, and they have been for quite some time. Uh, just added into the uh, lumps of payouts that Auburn's had to put on the likes of Brian Harson uh, and other coaches over the last not just 10 years, but really since Tommy Tuberville left. I think at that time his buyout was somewhere in between 5 and $6 million back at the after the 2008 season. Heck, now uh coordinator's are almost getting that in a buyout. Here's my issue with the buyout. Now, I don't know where this money comes from or what pool of money this will come from and how it's paid out over time, which I believe it will be. But that's $2 million that go to Ryan Williams. That's $2 million to go in the transfer portal to get five uh, offensive linemen that we need or defensive linemen that we need. Every dollar right now adds up. Now, I'm not saying that Philip Montgomery should just have been kept because you don't want to give him the buyout. It's obviously Hugh Freeze's program. Auburn has turned over the reins to him to run it and run it how he sees fit, and that's how it should be. But boy, oh boy, you just hate to see these buyouts continue to uh, pile up, and I'm going to bet that he's probably not the only one that today or in the near future that's going to be searching for another job on that staff.
1: Well, you have to remember, too, that if he were to have been retained and worked out his contract, he would have been paid that money eventually. But I get what you're saying, where – I just get frustrated watching guys get fired and get paid millions of dollars to literally not work. Yeah. I well, mean,
2: I think, I think the issue with it is,
1: yeah, he would have gotten paid anyway, but now you got to pay him and another offensive coordinator. Right. Exactly. And now <laughs> you got to go find a new one. And so that's what we're talking about today. I know you got thoughts listening out there. Give us a call. 321 1390. I feel like there's a pretty consensus agreement that this was coming. And I think it would be pretty rare right now to find somebody that wears the orange and blue that's disappointed after Philip Montgomery being fired today. And that doesn't happen very often, right. Uncle T-Bone. There's very, very few times where you get an entire fan base to come together on a hiring or a firing, Most, more likely on a firing than a hiring. But you get what I'm saying here. I think every Auburn fan was ready for him to go and ready for Hugh Freeze to take over offensive play calling Become the guy that Auburn hired. Become the offensive mind that Auburn brought in and do his job and and turn around this offense and develop quarterbacks, develop offense, make this a dynamic offense rather than a one-dimensional offense and come in and let's change the narrative around this Auburn offense. Auburn fans are ready for that, man, and the firing of Philip Montgomery may be sort of a changing of the guard in that instance, where Hugh Freeze, we know early in the season, he was hesitant to give up play calling. It was, he was in the play calling sometimes and not part of the play calling sometimes and was always a part of the game planning. It was just really confusing. Maybe this is what it took for Hugh Freeze to say, okay, instead of me relying on somebody else, let's go back to my roots a little bit.
2: Well, you know, I don't know who was playing, uh, calling the plays in the Music City Bowl, but it was brutal. It was a uh, Tecmo Bowl. Maybe four or five plays, it looked like to me. Uh, the run the run schemes were awful. Yeah. And, look, the offensive line probably had its worst game of the year uh, in the Music City Bowl against Maryland. That does not help things. But, golly, man, when you're just running the ball straight up the middle over and over and over again. And, you know, you want to see some dynamic play calling. You want to see what a championship offense should look like from down to down. Uh, watch Michigan and Washington Monday and go back and watch those four teams that played on uh, that played on New Year's Day. I mean, out of all of them, Alabama's play calling was the worst, and it was still better than what I saw out of Auburn in its bowl game. Look, I don't know. And then, and then on the flip side of that, I don't know who was calling the plays during the Iron Bowl, but it sure looked good. Yeah. But you know what needs to happen moving forward? Whoever's calling the plays needs to get the credit or gets the blame, and no one should be claiming when the plays are good that they're theirs, and when they're bad that they're there's somebody else's. I'm not saying that's what happened, but it's happened plenty of times, not just at Auburn but at other programs, and that gets old real quick
1: for the fans. I just don't know – I don't know what the problem is. Like, you wouldn't think it would be – so difficult to find a guy as your offensive coordinator to come in, set his role. I don't care what the role is, whether he is your go-to play caller, whether he's just a, a fancy overpaid quarterbacks coach, or whether he's a little bit of everything, development, whatever. Hire a guy, find the one you want, and set his role and keep that his role. But I'm tired of all this thing where it hired for one thing and then he's doing this sometimes and he's part of this another time and you don't really know what he's even doing. I mean, who can tell me exactly what Phillip Montgomery was doing this year? I don't think anybody can because we didn't know. And I think a lot of that comes from them not telling us and us being the media and the fans and all of that. But find a guy and put him in a role. And that's on Hugh Freeze right now. That is Hugh Freeze's job as the head coach to go out, you have a perfect opportunity right now to go and find your guy. Find the one you want. I mean, you have a, a lot of options right now. Go and find one that you're happy with. Bring him in, set his role, and let's move forward. And let's try to fix this thing because you've got way too many good recruits coming in on the offensive side of the football, some of the best we've ever seen that'll be on the planes. Too many good players for you to be a mediocre offense and have a bad offensive coordinator. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're not going to continue to bring
2: in high profile offensive wide receivers and playmakers on the offensive side of the ball if your if your offense is just completely stack, stagnant and looks like it did in the Music City Bowl. I mean, you know, you, you might get away for uh, with that for a year in your first couple in your first tenure as coach, but after that. I mean, you better you better come up with something. Or, or dynamic playmakers, you know, I know NIL money is important, but people want to showcase what they got to get to the next level called the NFL.
1: And people want to win games. They want to be used. They want to enjoy playing college it, well, it football. It needs to be
2: fun. I mean, right, you know, if, if, if you're Cam Coleman and you're Perry Thompson and you're uh, Malcolm Simmons and you're Bryce Kane, the four – Uh, the four bandits that Auburn recruited uh, as wide receiver that are coming in some are already here some will be here for the summer and then you're trying to get somebody like Ryan Williams don't you think I mean you know I don't know if it needs to be Steve Spurrier fun and gun from the early 90s (laughs) but it needs to be fun and gun of some sorts
1: yeah I mean when you go uh, when you go look at a new house you at least want it to look good you at least want it to be Nice and usable, right? And, and something you want to be a part of, rather than just going in and, and hoping it works out. I mean, that's what's happening with the Auburn offense right now. And I'll be completely honest with you before we go to break. I, I I mean this wholeheartedly. I am very surprised, even with the great recruiter that Hugh Freeze is, even with the great recruiters that Auburn has on this staff right now. This is the best wide receiver recruiting class Auburn's ever had, and it could still get better. I am shocked that they were able to pull that off. I'm shocked. And I'm not saying they made the wrong decision by any means because I think Auburn's a great place and the future is very, very bright here. But it is surprising to me that you get that many big wide receivers to commit to Auburn because what has Auburn proven offensively for them to be excited about it, right? And I know that's a harsh reality for some people to hear, but what has Auburn put on the field offensively that's attractive for receivers or quarterbacks to come play here? I don't think there's much. I really don't, but I think that can change, and I think that receivers like those guys who are taking chances on Auburn and taking chances with Hugh Freeze, they can change that, and they know that, and they know that they are a part in starting something that could be really, really special here, and that takes a lot of guts, and I give them a ton of credit for that, but I do think it is a little bit of a gamble, but it's a gamble no matter where you go.
2: You know, I think you're going to start seeing more and more of these changes on staffs also, just like you're starting beginning to see and have been seeing more and more changes to the roster, right? I think it's just going to be maddening. If somebody – you know, a team wants to win and they want to win now, they're going to go poach somebody off your staff, just like they're going to go try and poach somebody off your roster, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you look at what happened in, uh, in Tuscaloosa where the wide receiver coach uh, – that had been recruiting Ryan Williams for the University of Alabama got poached, and now he's with Texas A&M. So, I mean, the college football world right now is on fire. It's it's wild. It's out of control. It's the Wild West. It's a cyclone. It's a whirlwind, whatever you <laughs> want to call it. And this, this is just another example of it to an extent. But I do think that this was just a bad – Uh, I don't want to call it marriage, but it was just – I mean, the the offense had major issues this year. And when you say, I don't really know what Philip Montgomery's role this year was, I think his role from just reading between the tea leaves was supposed to be kind of de facto coach in charge while Coach Freeze was out there really – busting it out on the recruiting trail, which you can see that part of it worked. Mm -hmm. The other part of it that didn't – the flip side of it that did not work and translate was the offensive production onto the field, right? And so I think that's what it was supposed to be. And he was given, just like in my opinion, Robbie Ashford, every chance to be the starter. He was given that chance to be this de facto uh, coach in charge when I'm not here, second in command Uh, three-star general not four offensive play caller and it didn't work
1: didn't work and we'll talk some more about that and if it's not
2: going to work you got to make a change
1: bingo there you go we'll talk some more about that we've blown by our first break we got to get to it we'd love to hear from you on this friday afternoon as philip montgomery no longer the auburn offensive coordinator for the football program 334-321-1390 don't go anywhere we'll be right back here on the friday edition of on the line
0: you are on the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com, or on the ESPN 106.7 app.
1: Back inside the studio here on the Friday edition of On the Line. He's Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins with you on this free-for-all Friday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Talking all the latest news around college athletics, professional athletics sometimes too. But, uh, yeah, the big news so far today is Auburn football. Parting ways with offensive coordinator Philip Montgomery. We'd love to get your thoughts on this. 334 321 1390. Maybe if you have early replacement ideas or names that you've seen thrown around or you want to talk about possibilities, uh, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you on the phone lines. Other things going on too today, Uncle T Bone, is of course Auburn in, in, in kind of connection with this offensive stuff. Still looking for a quarterback, I think, and um, that was not the case for a while. But everybody seems to feel that Auburn is going to be looking for a quarterback in the transfer portal. There was a pretty big name that hit the portal this afternoon. It's not official that he can play yet. He's got to. Uh, he's waiting on a waiver from the NCAA. So we know how that goes. But the Big Ten's all-time passing leader. Talia Tungavailoa, the younger brother of Tua, who played at Maryland, did not play in the bowl game against Auburn. He entered the transfer portal earlier today.
2: Yeah, Talia is gonna hit the portal. A lot of people rumoring that he's headed towards the University of Miami. Uh, there's going to have to be a waiver for him. Apparently a a guy, a long-time traveling salesman quarterback that's bounced around a bunch, got a waiver to play his 17th year at Oklahoma State today. Look, I think right now if you're going to take a chance and try and get one of those waivers with the NCAA, it's the best time to do it if you're one of these players because they don't want any kind of conflict with anybody right now, and that's Blatantly obvious, right? Yeah. I mean, these people are going to court. They're 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 trying to you know get where they can just transfer whenever they need to. Uh, that happened this last fall. I mean, there's still some type of windows, but I mean, like I said, it's so out of control right now. Um, I think the NCAA's just let this storm blow up, and they're just going to let it pass on through and then try and clean up afterwards because uh, the last thing that the NCAA wants is any kind of massive lawsuit against them right now to where they uh, even could lose control of college athletics in those hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue that they bring in every year. So I, I expect he'll get this this waiver. And, uh, you know, I don't think Auburn fan, you can look for him to come here. I seriously doubt he'll head back to Alabama. Uh, but uh, it looks like right now the University of Miami is trying to really get his services. And let me say something else about this. It's blatantly obvious. There's a lot of thoughts on this NIL, and we can talk about this forever. But, man, it's obvious to me. And I, can't, I don't have any, like, hardcore lead pipe, you know, Perry Mason case closed <laughs> truth. But there's tampering going on big time right now with, these, with people's rosters. Fact. I mean it's it's just it's obvious. I mean it's blatantly obvious. And I think that some friends of ours in the old SEC West over there in North Mississippi are some of the largest culprits of that right now. But you know what?
1: I mean, who's gonna step in and stop it? What can you do? There's nobody that has the power to do so. And if they do, it takes them 10 years to figure it out. The
2: rules are such a gray area right now. I can't say Jacob Goins, JG, is is five-star – all Big Ten. Yeah. Outside, we going
1: to play defense, offense. What do you want to Man, play? look at me. I ain't playing defense. I'm not big enough for that. So,
2: he's a flanker. You know, he's got over a 1,000 yards. We need a receiver next year. We got a whole list of people on teams that we're looking at in midseason, like a recruiting board, and there's JG. We're not going to reach out to JG We're n- as a coaching staff. Oh, no, 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 no. But someone on one of these <coughs> support staff positions – Is gonna reach out to their family and say, Hey, buddy. Any interest here? I'm just gonna say, you know, we really like JG. He could, you know, he goes across the middle, you know, tough and makes the tough catch. We've got about a couple extra hundred grand. You think maybe you could talk to him about coming down here next year? We'll we'll talk later.
1: Goodbye. And that's how it goes. You can't tell me it doesn't. And it's obvious. Coaches have talked about it. They have blatantly talked about it, openly talked about it, and yet There's nothing we can do. There's nothing anybody can do because it happens everywhere. It's been happening for a long time and even more now with the transfer portal and the addition of NIL. When we come back, if we get some phone calls about this, we'll talk about that. If not, we'll go ahead and transition into a little basketball conversation here on the Friday edition of On the Line. Auburn taking on Arkansas tomorrow. We'll make some picks for around the SEC. Stay tuned.
0: On the line with Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7 Auburn Opalikas Sports Leader. Thirty minutes into this Free for All Friday edition of On the
1: Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. Alongside me, as he does every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it's Uncle T-Bone here on a chilly but gorgeous Friday afternoon in Auburn, Alabama. Give us a call. Whatever's on your mind, we want to hear from you on this Friday. Three three four. 321 1390. We've been talking about the football news with Philip Montgomery and the transfer portal guys that are there and what Auburn may be doing. We'll get to some more of that coming up in hour number two. But I want to switch gears here and talk a little basketball because Auburn opening up SEC play tomorrow on the road in Fayetteville and the SEC is opening up conference play and everybody else, all the other conferences have pretty much started already. This is where college basketball gets real. We've had non-conference play. You get all the cool matchups. You get all the cool early season tournaments in Maui and, and you know Brooklyn and all this stuff. But all of that is behind us now. This is where you separate the greats from the goods from the bads. And this is where you learn who is legit and who's not in college basketball, man. It's about to be... A lot of fun.
2: Yeah, this is grind time right here. This is the meat and the sandwich. This is what you. Uh, this is basically where most teams either make or break their chances in the NCAA tournament to qualify for it. And I'm looking over the SEC play. You know, you're right. Most of these teams have already started. Mm -hmm. I mean, the other night, like I said earlier in the week, I watched Pitt and North Carolina play. It was a fantastic basket. That was North Carolina's third conference game.
1: That's where the Big Ten is right now, too. They've played their third and fourth Big Ten games already.
2: I mean, that's just crazy to me. But leave it to the SEC and basketball, you know, just to kind of be the SEC. They they do it how they do it. It always cranks up after the new year. Uh, In the past, I've always been a – a basketball fan, a college basketball fan, but I've never really started watching until this season right about now. This is when basketball mm-hmm. season in the past has always kicked off for years truly because I'm such a big football fan, and there's only so many hours in the day. It's going to start tomorrow at 11 o'clock Central Time, Mississippi State at South Carolina. How is this game the CBS game? Well, I
1: mean, look at their. Is I that all yeah, we got? I don't know, because – but. Look at their records, man. These are two teams that have lost three times combined. Yeah, coming into SEC play, and that's a good Mississippi State team. Chris Gordy from Locked On SEC was talking about that yesterday. Mm -hmm. He he has them as kind of a sleeper team in the SEC on the road in South Carolina that showed a little life here down the stretch, man. Um, this could this could be a lot of fun. That's a great one to kind of kick off kick off the uh, the SEC slate. I want us to do some pickums as we (laughs) go, but but. Let's talk a little Auburn, Arkansas first. Okay, we'll talk that first, and then we'll kind of get into some pickums and SEC play. Auburn ranked in the top 25 Uh, we know coming into the new year uh, they got the win over Penn earlier in the week on Tuesday at Neville Arena wasn't their best second half they've tended to do that quite a bit this year where they get up big on a lesser opponent they kind of play around in the second half and uh, BP is never happy about it no no but they're ranked in the top 25 they're on the road at Arkansas who's been the biggest up and down team so far this year in the SEC and you mentioned it I, i i'm not sure where you got it but you said auburn favored by five on the road tomorrow
2: yeah that's what i saw i'm trying to get an official line on that as well, we you have speak. that website you use yeah scores and um i'm not a big fan of this eric musselman like all auburn fans i would love to see auburn go up into bud walton and hush those hogs up well, i know
1: a lot of auburn fans that are not a fan of him
2: yeah i mean he's a good coach but he's kind of uh I don't know. He's always seems like to me he's just trying to pick a fight for no good reason. But, look, this is a a very, very tough opener for the Tigers, in my opinion. Arkansas at home has historically been a difficult play, not just for Auburn to, to get after it, but for any college basketball team. Tigers are going to have to get a little bit more physical in this game. I'd like to see them get in transition more and just use waves and waves of players. I saw an article earlier today that Bruce Burrell, he's not going to stop the rotation. Don't think that we're just going to go with seven and then just kind of ease in some people when the uh, when the starters get in foul trouble or whatever. And I think that's a good way to do it, especially early in the season, to keep all the legs fresh for when you get later in the season. But this is a tough task for the Tigers, still trying to find this line. But if I've got three fine, and a half. You've got three and a half. Okay. Yeah. Um. You know that sounds sounds a little bit more
1: uh like it should be I'm really kind of surprised that
2: Auburn's even a
1: favorite that's here. exactly what I was gonna say it kind of shocks me that Auburn is that's the favorite and I'm not saying that because I don't think Auburn's the better team I do I do too. I, I think Auburn's a much better team Arkansas's good okay they've got a lot of talent too but that's an Arkansas team that I mentioned already has been so inconsistent this year you remember they started three and oh then they lose to unc greensboro they turn around and barely beat stanford they lose to memphis who's not bad north carolina who is really good they lost that one by 15 and then all of a sudden they're hosting number seven duke and what do they do they win the dang thing they win the game and they beat duke by five Then they turn around and lose to number 19 Oklahoma, who's a solid squad. And now they're on a three-game win streak thanks to wins over Lipscomb, Abilene Christian, and UNC Wilmington. So what is this Arkansas team? And which Arkansas team are we going to see tomorrow? Are we going to see the one that lost to UNC Greensboro, barely beat Stanford, and let and let some of these other teams just beat up on them? Or are we going to see the Arkansas team that took down number 7 Duke inside of Bud Walton Arena? Yeah, that was in the ACC-SEC Challenge, and that was a heck of a win. Uh, scores and odds, will
2: not update that line until tomorrow. Uh, I did find over it, let me tell you, have you ever heard of this site? Dimers.com, hey what yo. a great name. I hey mean, yo. if you're going to play, play a dime, right? <laughs> For entertainment purposes only. They've got Arkansas catching four and a half. Um, and they also have them at a 51% chance of covering the spread. So, look, this game's going to be a tight game, you know, and and I hate to say it, Auburn easily could win this game. I think Auburn is the better team right now, but they're going on the road. Anytime you go on the road in the SEC in basketball, especially for Auburn historically, it's been a tough thing to do. That's a difficult place to play like we talked about. Um, if one team's going to get kind of – Blown out here. I don't think it's going to be Arkansas at home. I look for the Tigers to win this game, but it's going to be a
1: battle. According to uh, the ESPN analytics and their matchup predictor, Auburn is a 68% chance to win this game. That gives Arkansas a 32% chance to win. So um, Auburn again, 68% Arkansas, 32. Uh, that kind of feels right. I mean, maybe a little heavy on Auburn, but yeah, look. If you take this and just look at this thing, if these two teams played on neutral floor, when they both played their highest level, Auburn's the much better team. The depth is really big for Auburn. We talk about that quite a bit. And I will say this, Auburn needs to shoot the ball a little bit better from their guards. Aiden Holloway has got to get going on offense. He's been kind of in the scoring column and the shooting column the last game. uh, I think he was, what, maybe one for five or something like that and just didn't have a whole lot of points. But he's passing the ball a lot a lot of assists, and he's not turning it over. So I'm okay if he's not dropping 25 points a game. But I do think in these types of games against Arkansas, who has really good guards, you've got to get something from your superstar freshman, Mr. Aiden Holloway. Yeah, I
2: think that you know Auburn also has good guards as well. I mean, you're going to see a lot of Trey Donaldson. You're going to see a lot of KD Johnson. You better see a lot of defense because if you're not ready to strap it on and play some defense, a team like Arkansas will run you up out of their gym really quick.
1: Yeah, I mean, Tremont Mark and Khalif Battle are their two leading scorers as guards, and they average 17 and 14 points a game. So Auburn's going to have their hands full. But again, Auburn has four legitimate guards. They have Aiden Holloway. KD Johnson, Trey Donaldson, and Denver Jones. They have four legitimate guys that can play elite offense and elite defense when it comes to the guard spot, and they don't turn it over, something that will really benefit Auburn on the road tomorrow in Arkansas, as long as they keep that trend alive. Teams that don't turn it over, Uncle T-Bone, have great chances to win on the road. What this Auburn team cannot do is repeat the performance they had at App State, where they just could not make anything they couldn't fall out of the boat in the middle of the Atlantic and hit the water I mean they they were just such in a bad spot and just a horrible day for this team and that happens in basketball sometimes it's just a little bit more shocking when Auburn is 11 or 12 deep and it happens to the entire team
2: I got to thinking about that game the other day Jacob and I want to throw this uh, up against the wall and see what you think did Auburn travel to Boone North Carolina the day that day that sunday or did they go up there before like on that saturday because you know what that saturday was right mhm it was the iron bowl right
1: yeah were Auburn players at the game, at the Iron Bowl? I mean, surely they traveled the day before. I mean, I don't remember what the travel plans were, but surely they went before. I would think that they did.
2: I, if not, then I think that you could probably excuse what happened in Appalachian State a little bit
1: more. Because, but isn't it crazy how we've almost, uh, not not forgotten that game and that performance, but, I well, mean, it's, Well, they've it's, played great since. Right, I mean, exactly. they came
2: back a week later on a neutral court in Atlanta, Georgia. We were both there, and watched it with our own eyes, beat the breaks off of the university of indiana right mm-hmm. so and you know you got to think that uh, arkansas is kind of always i always kind of think as an arkansas team almost physically is built like an indiana team but usually a little bit more athletic uh running the court and in transition and not playing slow down basketball but so you know look it, the happy state game's just been completely forgotten because auburn's been red hot and you mentioned denver jones Goodness gracious, did he look smooth shooting the ball the other night. Yeah, his shooting stroke is fantastic. If he keeps shooting like that, I mean, is that Denver Jones or Freddie Jones? You know what I'm saying? There you go. You got to – if
1: if he's knocking back shots – Aiden Holloway doesn't have to take shots. Which is very fair. I, I want to hear from our listeners. 3-3-4, 1, 90 Where's the confidence level going into this game tomorrow? How confident do we feel about Auburn going on the road to start SEC play? And this isn't Vanderbilt. This is Arkansas. And right. they're a good program with Eric Musselman. Whether you like the guy or not, they've become one of the best programs in the SEC. Sure. And you can see the potential of this current team, given who they've beaten in some teams and some games that they've been in. Where's the confidence level for you, Uncle T-Bone, yeah, for I'll Auburn to go on the road to win this game tomorrow? I'll
2: kick this off right now. And, you know, I love Bruce Pearl, and I have full confidence in him 24 7 to run this program. But this is a 50-50 game, in my opinion.
1: Mm, 50-50, huh?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, you got to go on the road in the SEC to start conference play. The last time we went into a difficult arena to play against Appalachian State that we've all forgotten about, we were ice cold. You know, I, I just, I've seen horror shows up there from Auburn teams in the past. You know, who knows what Arkansas has. Really, we're going to find out Saturday. They're either really good sometimes, and sometimes they're kind of putrid. But look, you go on the road in the SEC in basketball, and it's no joke. Even when you go to Vanderbilt, that's such a weird place to play. They're we terrible. Lost last time
1: we were there, they're
2: terrible. But I was there. Well, don't. That's the zero and five group, right? Yes, it is. Okay. We were.
1: Hey, we were supposed to be at this. We were supposed to be going to this Arkansas game, and it just fell through last minute. We're going to the Georgia game now. But yeah. I mentioned this earlier. It snowed in Fayetteville yesterday, last night. It snowed. They're covered in snow right now in Fayetteville. I'm glad we're not going. Miss me with that. I'm glad we're not going to that. But yeah, that is the that is the old. It's a fifty-fifty game
2: to me, Jake. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now. That's not going to be. That is going to be a bloodbath tomorrow.
1: Well, of course, Auburn and Arkansas. Uh, when it comes to basketball, the last time these two teams played was in Nashville last year when Arkansas beat Auburn. And the last time that Auburn went on the road to Arkansas and won was in 2020 when they won in overtime, 79 to 76. And then the last time, then the time before that. When they went on the road and beat them in, in Fayetteville, it was a long time ago. 2009 was the last time, the last two times that Auburn went to Fayetteville and won. I mean, that's and that's when Arkansas was not good in most of these years. I would say every
2: year that has, was it every year that Auburn's been out there to place? Like being in the SEC West, we used to always have a home and away with each one of those teams, right?
1: Well, you know, with basketball it's been different because you had When you, did that change? Oh goodness, when did that change?
2: It hasn't been too long ago. No, I, don't think. I
1: can't remember the exact year. But I mean that's recently almost, it hasn't been where you just you have a certain set of, of teams that you played at home and home and then everything else would rotate.
2: I'm not saying it's quite as equivalent, but in my mind for Auburn basketball, it's almost like when Auburn and football goes down to Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I just, you better have a really good day without any kind of error. And turnovers are the key. That's huge. They will turn you over quick up there in Bud Walton, and then those hogs will be a calling.
1: I made a mistake. Auburn did win in Fayetteville in 2020. Okay. They also won in 2016 I missed that one so Auburn did win to Fayetteville 90 to 86 so the last two times they won 2016 and 2020 both of those games were won uh by a combined seven points so every time we go I mean it's a tough game man it's yeah, a it's tough the, place to the, play there's over 20,000 yeah. people there I mean, and, and look they're, they're not gonna have anything to do they're probably tired of throwing
2: snowballs at one another and building snowmen so they will all be up in that in that arena
1: and they've completely moved on from football season
2: Oh my gosh, They moved on from football season like after the fourth week. <laughs> I mean, that, that you know, so they' they're desperately looking to, to be a basketball school in name this year. And I'm just I just that is there is that ESPN, 68% stuff, pff, you, you can keep that. This will be a Donny Brook tomorrow. This will be a street fight, man. PBR street game, baby.
1: Here are the numbers that I think stand out the most before we go to break. Auburn averages 85 points a game. Arkansas averages 82. So nothing crazy there. Three-point difference. Here's the one that stands out. It's Auburn's defense. Auburn allows just under 67 points a game Arkansas allows 76 points per game, almost a 10 point swing that Auburn is not allowing compared to Arkansas. It's the defense and the defensive depth that Auburn has, not as much on the offensive side. But when some of these guys hit the bench and you bring in fresh legs, there's hardly any drop off on the defensive side of the floor. And that's what makes Auburn so dangerous, not only tomorrow, but for the entire college basketball season. 334-321-1390. We'll take our final break, come back, and wrap up hour number one. Come on in. Join us on this Friday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 1067.
0: You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
1: Got a couple of minutes here in hour number one before we wrap it up and uh, slingshot ourselves into hour number two. Again, phone lines open all show long on this Friday afternoon. Give us a call, whatever's on your mind. Lots of news to talk about and, and some hypothetical things to talk about and predictions for games and stuff to talk about as well. 334 Three, two, one. 1390. Want to give some love on a couple of things we've got going on here around our family of radio stations at Auburn Network. We were talking Auburn basketball against Arkansas tomorrow. You can catch the radio broadcast of that over on the home of Auburn basketball here in in Auburn, Opelika on Wings 94.3 and WingsFM.com. Tip-off set for 1 o'clock. Andy Bertram and the guys will go on at 1230 from the Auburn Sports Network, so be sure you tune in for that. And then immediately following that, all right, immediately following the game and their 30-minute postgame show, show after the game on Wings 943 will be going live the hour long post game reaction call in show that you can be a part of it's normally Jumpin' Jack Cudden and Kyle Rush but uh, Kyle unable to be there this weekend he'll re- he'll be there the rest of the year after this week but Special guest stepping in on After the Game with Jump and Jack Cut. It's the one and only Uncle T-Bone. He's taking one for the team, and he'll be joining Jack over on Wings 94.3. It'll be a game day reunion for you and Jack, huh?
2: Yeah, not a uh, pregame this go-around, but post game. Looking forward to it. Uh, looking forward to just a great weekend of basketball tomorrow. Um, Jacob, I don't have breaking news here, but there are some unconfirmed reports that there's about to be another uh, – parting of the ways over there on the plains here and maybe this will happen within the next hour cuz breaking news normally happens when us two are on the air but yeah, That's uh, how
1: that that's how it works. I'm not
2: saying anything but Auburn might be looking for a new defense coordinator just saying
1: yeah, well, we'll see if that ends up being uh, uh, something that happens, if there's some some validity to all of that. And, we'll, of course, we'll be here for the next hour to talk about anything that does end up happening with Auburn football. But be sure you tune in tomorrow for for Auburn basketball against Arkansas. Pre-game, 1230, tip-off at 1 with Andy Burcham and everybody at the Auburn Sports Network from Fayetteville. And then as soon as they're done with their post-game show with Bruce Pearl, we'll have after the game with Jumpin' Jack Cudden and Uncle T-Bone over on Wings 94.3. I also want to give you some updates. Now that we're into the new year, we are full-on high school basketball as well. And, of course, here at our Auburn Network family of radio stations, Auburn High School and Lee Scott Academy. We carry both of those. Auburn High School, big home game tonight. they girls and boys hosting the Red Devils of Central Phoenix City. You can tune in and catch the one and only Jack Cudden. Uh, if you haven't heard him call a basketball game, man, it's exciting. You'd never know, uh, you'd never know if it's a 40-point blowout or going into quadruple overtime, man. That guy's exciting when it comes to calling some basketball. He'll go live at 5.15 over on 96.3 W. Lee. That's 96.3 FM and 96.3 W. Girls will play first, and then the boys will play after as the Auburn High Tigers hosting Central Phoenix City. And then if you want to flip back and forth, you can flip back and forth between Jack calling Auburn High and myself calling Lee Scott Academy. We're at home tonight over on Tiger Country 104.5. We'll have Springwood tonight at home, and then we also have Fort Dale tomorrow. So, as soon as the show's over, I'll a lot be he- going on. I'm telling you, I'll be heading over to Lee Scott Academy calling some Friday night high school basketball. We'll be on the air at 5.30 for the girls, the boys immediately after. Tiger Country 104.5 at TigerCountry.net. Coming up in hour and Number two, we'll talk some more Auburn football, Auburn basketball, SEC basketball, any breaking news that may or may not happen, and of course, take your phone calls. That's what's coming up here in hour number two on the Friday edition of On The Line. Don't go anywhere. Hour number two coming up. happy friday everybody hope you're doing well on this friday january 5th 2024 this is our number two here on the friday edition of on the line the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back i'm jacob Goins with you followed by Uncle T-Bone here in the studio on this Friday afternoon. Hope you're doing well. As I mentioned, hour number two is underway. We had uh, some great conversations back in hour number one. Uncle T-Bone talked about the breaking news of Auburn and offensive coordinator Phillip Montgomery. Uh, Parting ways is the word that was used, and uh, we had a lot to say about that. We got some phone callers who want to talk about that, I'm sure, as well, so we're going to get to those in just a second. But talked about that, uh, talked about some of the uh, players that entered the transfer portal, one of those being uh, the Maryland Corm- quarterback, I guess former Maryland quarterback, uh, Talia Tungavailoa. So we talked about that, and then we also talked a little basketball. Is Auburn taking on Arkansas tomorrow to open up SEC play? And we'll have some more conversations about all of those things here in hour number two. But if you missed that, you can find it on the podcast posted after the show today. Uh, you can find it on ESPNAU.com. You can also find it wherever you get your podcast. Just search on the line. But phone lines are open all of our number two on this free-for-all Friday, 334-321-1390. That's the number to get you through to us. And we start our number two with Andy. You're on the line with Jacob and Uncle T-Bone. Hey, War Eagle. Yes, sir. War Eagle. What's up?
3: I'm always excited to get in the car around 2 o'clock because I get to hear you guys. Awesome, man. uh, We appreciate that, that, man. Absolutely. But, Tay, I thought I was listening to a a Razorback station. I was vigilant with the the numbers. Um, If y'all think we're going to struggle against Arkansas, and and granted, if the spread was five and the away game, I wouldn't touch it. I might might even put a little on Arkansas. So I'm not trying to be too hard here, but if we're – if we're going to struggle with Arkansas, who are we going to beat? <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let
2: y'all answer that. Yeah, I mean, the SEC is um, tough this year, Andy, no doubt about it. But I, I just think it's more about going on the road yeah. uh, and, and, and especially – I mean, I, I know this is no excuse, but the weather up there is kind of crazy right now. I don't know if you've seen the pictures. I've been looking at them at the break. It's beautiful, but it's a whiteout up there almost, for, at least for this part of the country.
3: Well, I hope that doesn't have a play. And, and you know, I was I was shocked when we lost to App State. I remember the spread being five on that. You know, scratching my head. Mm. And um, I think you've made the the most common sense thing that maybe they were partying a little bit at the Iron Bowl. Um, I know a, I was. And, and, <laughs> and um, you know, sometimes a game doesn't stop you from from partying. Um, especially a, a game like that. That's you know, when it when you're playing a smaller team, that's the chance to go out and party the night before and. Well, you know,
1: um, I, I think happened. that I think that has something to do with that line a little bit though, Andy, is is the fact that the last time Auburn went on the road for a true road game, it was the App State game and Auburn played let's just be honest, they played horrible. I mean, they put up 64 points and they let App State beat them. You know what I mean? So uh, I think that has to play into the line or the spread being anywhere between three and five. And, and look, it's not even about the Arkansas team. It's more of going on the road and playing in front of 21,000 people, uh, the crazy fans that are the Arkansas Razorbacks for basketball. Man, they're passionate over there. Oh, I get it. Uh, and Auburn
3: is famous for doing amazing at home and, and not doing that great on the road. Exactly. But again, I'm not – I'm not giving you too hard of time, but, oh, no. you know, the good, the good teams that are, you know, win 20 games, they, they, they win those games. That's so, right. Um, I've gone to a couple Auburn games, and they, they look great. I mean, they, if they're not doing great, they throw KD in, he comes in screaming <laughs> at people, and he's um, kind of pouring a little gas on the fire. So, we have, you know, you guys talk about that. The depth is really going to help us win these kind of games. And, and I think we'll, we'll win it, but it definitely will be close. Um, I wouldn't touch it if it's five. And lastly...
4: Um, you know, with, uh,
3: to his brother leaving Maryland, um, uh, I can't say his name, the running back to left Florida, ETN, mm-hmm. um, his brother, I guess, played at Clemson,
1: yep. same, same yeah. family. Yep. Okay.
3: Um, I just, I don't like that. You know, I mean, freedom for the players, I guess, but that's just for Florida to love someone and then to go to Georgia and have to hate
1: him. No, great. I don't like that either. Yeah, I was about to yeah. say, not only, did like he, not only did he leave, he went to <laughs> one of Florida's biggest rivals and went to Georgia. Right. I mean, it's yeah. crazy. Right. That, that right. rubs me and the I wrong think, way.
3: And I think Bo, I think, you know, that's still, you know, uh, if I see him, I hope I can be polite to him. Um, you know, but um, I think Bo going to the other side of the country, I think that was kind of part of the plan with her dad. Like, hey, if you're going to do this, let's, let's do it the right way. Because mm-hmm. um, that would have really – think because i I mean i love that kid i loved him and for him to go like alabama that's just hard on a human soul to you know love someone and hate them um i guess people that go through divorces and stuff experience that but i never want to ever touch that kind of stuff so not a big fan with that that's that's just emotional um on a fan base so
4: right anyways sit back and enjoy it just
3: uh i think we'll i think we'll take arkansas i like Um, it but hope Snowden I think this is that
1: was a guy that's not hockey. All right. Oh, not. Appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for the call and for the kind words as well. Three three four, three two one, thirteen ninety. We've got Terry. We're gonna get to him in just a second. But yeah, think about that. You've got players now. Not only are they leaving their current schools and going to different programs. You've got players that are transferring within the conference. We see that's definitely been a growing thing over the last couple of years. And not only are players transferring within the conference because you don't have to have the whole sit out and, and and waivers and all the all the mess you had to go through, you've got guys transferring from one rival to the other. I mean, that's almost. I mean, that's hard to do, man. That is really really hard to do. And I like that he brought up the Bo Nix thing. What if he had gone to LSU? Or what if he had gone to you know to Bama or to Ole Miss or something like that and a high-powered offense like he did with Oregon and they turned him into a superstar and turned him into a Heisman candidate like Oregon did? I mean Auburn, there's a lot of Auburn fans that are not happy with Bo Nix that he transferred anyway. There's some are some aren't. It's a touchy subject, but what if he had gone to an SEC program and done what he's doing at Oregon? I mean that would really be tough for Auburn fans to watch. That would be a even tougher trip for his parents
2: to come into this stadium and watch uh, at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Auburn fans, pretty classy bunch most of the time, but I don't think they would have been very happy to see Bo Nix and the uh, purple and gold rolling into Jordan-Hare Stadium, no yeah. doubt about it. I'm with you. There, The rules are right now there are no rules with transfers, Right. I mean... Give or take. You know, I think there should probably be some unspoken rules like in uh, baseball. hmm You know, some things you should do, some things you can do. Some things some that things are not that written down but you shouldn't you, do. You're yeah. not going to do. in And tra- and transferring from Florida to Georgia is one of those things. Now, we'll say this. Auburn, over the past few years and in, in my fandom, have had some players. They had Corey Grant come home from Alabama. But he was from Opelika. Okay. He had to sit out a year. They had... Uh, Trigger Trey came over, yeah. a defensive back from Georgia, yeah, uh, but he had to sit out a year too, right? Trey Matthews, and I think he would got some trouble. Nick Marshall, you know, famously was a, a Georgia defensive back, but he went to JUCO and then came here. But if I'm if I'm playing for Auburn and I'm wearing the orange and blue, and then next year you see me in the crimson and white, um, I'm probably never going to be welcome back in this town ever. Again, I can tell you one example of this. Back when Gene Chiswick was hired and in, in James Willis, former Auburn uh, linebacker from Huntsville, who was also on Tommy Tuberville's coaching staff as the linebacker coach, just left Auburn high and dry. You know, not certain whether or not he was going to have a job. I, I don't blame him for going out and finding a job, but it was still up in the air whether or not he was going to uh, even interview for Gene Chiswick's staff and he ends up in tuscaloosa and he's never been forgiven yeah well and quite frankly in my eyes never will
0: be
1: well another huge example and we're about to get to terry on the phone lines another huge example not necessarily transferring from one school to the other and doing all that but how about reuben foster remember that remember the guy that's got the big auburn tattoo that decided to go instead of coming to auburn would go to alabama i mean it that was so rare back then, but here we are now and it doesn't seem that uncommon to go from one place Speaking to the other. Speaking of the transfer portal breaking news, uh Alabama tailback Roydale Williams, I believe
2: from uh Hueytown or Bessemer. I cannot quite remember. I think it's Hueytown, um, is uh in the transfer portal. Uh will he be coming to Auburn? I mean, how would Alabama fans like that?
1: Exactly. He's a senior, you never know. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Terry, you're on the line with us, man. Thanks for holding on. What's up? about Evans the kid Evans kid whose father
2: played at Auburn yeah how about that Rashawn yeah, Evans uh, Auburn high linebacker and all-world talent plays or played for the Tennessee Titans and his father Allen Evans was uh, in the same recruiting class with Bo Jackson I believe out of enterprise and everybody uh, and was high more highly ranked back then in probably the one ranking system he had which was some old magazine that you might find at the old Gulf Station. But he was uh, – he did not uh, make it at Auburn, went to UT Chattanooga, and we all know what Bo Jackson did with his career.
3: And I, I ask you to keep this in mind when Auburn goes to Arkansas tomorrow. You also
4: play Arkansas, but you also have to play the guys in the striped shirts too.
2: Well, there we go, Terry, <laughs> my man that cracked the code. <laughs> anytime you go on the road in the SEC and anytime people – Come from the road right into Neville Arena. You expect a little, oh, I don't know, SEC stripe home cooking, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's just it's just one of those things. You better, you better be ready for it. So that's why I think Auburn's going to have to buckle down on the defense. That was a great stat that J.G. just gave us uh, in the uh, first hour, my man. Uh, Auburn's defense is superior to Arkansas. So let's buckle that down on defense. Let's create some turnovers, and let's get in transition. And T-Von, didn't Auburn go up there a couple years ago with Javaris with Kessler and lose late in the year?
1: Yes. Yes, I believe you're, I believe you're right. Um, yeah, that was a very painful loss well let's see because i was looking at it earlier just to kind of give us an idea of when the last time auburn had won on the road in fayetteville the last time they played was last year in nashville when they lost um and then in 21 22 they went up there and lost in overtime that was the 80 76 uh loss there in fayetteville they also remember they played two games back to back in fayetteville 21 and 22 and uh lost by four and 22 and lost by two and 21
2: Mm. Well, like actually, it's a tough place to go. but The SEC is pretty pretty good this year. Let's be honest. And that's very you know, good. So, of so talking about the fifth and sixth teams of the playoffs we're going to be talking about the 69th and 70th teams in in, in March.
1: Yeah, with the NCAA tournament. That's right. Yeah.
2: Well, look, you're looking care, at guys. thanks Terry. Yeah, thanks Terry. You're looking at teams like South Carolina, 12 and one, which uh, Jordan Hill from uh, Dogs Two Four Seven mentioned. Like, hey, you know, that's a team that everybody kind of written off. Uh, Ole Miss thirteen and oh. We'll see what they really got. The J- my man, my man in studio doesn't think that Ole Miss uh, is. Uh, you kind of think they're fool's goal, but. They get a good pick. They get a good look tomorrow, opening up against Tennessee. That'll probably be the game of the week in the SEC. Mississippi State 11 and two. Florida, who's not been very good over the last few years, 10 and three. Georgia 10 and three. I mean, you're pushing down good teams like Arkansas, Texas A&M, and Alabama to the second half, and Missouri, who was who was a solid team last year. Uh, to the second, uh, the bottom half of the SEC. So yeah, this conference right now has done some serious damage in the uh, in the first third of the season in non-conference play. Uh, every team in the league, minus Vanderbilt, with a winning record heading into conference play that says a lot a lot of these teams are going to get exposed and a lot of these teams are uh, are, are are going to be surprise teams you look for a couple of these teams like florida georgia south carolina mississippi state that haven't been great over the last few years making a run in an ncaa tournament
1: yeah you got four teams ranked in the top 25 right now for the SCC Auburn at 25 Ole Miss at 22 Kentucky at six and Tennessee at five and all those teams you just mentioned I mean Alabama could be in there Arkansas could be in there Florida could be in there I'm saying down the road and sure. really talking NCAA tournament I mean Mississippi State Missouri South Carolina I mean even Texas A&M I mean there's some good teams in this conference and There are no easy games. There's no easy outs anymore in this conference. Chris Gordy said that yesterday. There's just no easy outs anymore, maybe other than Vanderbilt this year.
2: I'm looking you know, and watching these games so far this year, and obviously to me, although they don't have the best overall record, I think Kentucky right now is the best team in the league. But if this keeps up, you're going to see several, several, maybe even the majority, maybe more than ever teams – right there with about 20 wins heading into the SEC tournament if this trend continues. And that SEC tournament will then be even much more watch television than it normally is. It'll be a war.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of people predicting eight to nine, possibly ten sec teams to make the ncaa tournament come March. That's crazy it's going to be a lot of fun sec play begins tomorrow for college basketball we'll talk some more about that plus some more auburn news when we come back inspector you'll be first up when we come back here on the friday edition
0: of on the line you are on the line on espn 1067 online at espnau.com or on the espn 1067 app Let's get back to the phone lines here on the
1: Friday edition of On the Line. We'd love to hear from you as well. 1390 Specter, you're on the line with Jacob and Uncle Tebow.
5: Hello, guys. Hey, Specter. You, know, uh, <laughs> you know, last last Tuesday, I was hot. You know. Yeah. I, I told y'all then if if, uh, if I if Specter has to take a chill pill, there's going to be some heads rolling, and you know. I've been saying it for a long time that these two coordinators should be out of there. Mm
4: -hmm.
5: I understand. I understand what freeze did. He came into this program and concentrated on recruiting. He did an excellent job and he, and he put, he put the Auburn football team on the line with these two coordinators to do their job. And they failed miserably. And, um, and I'm glad to see the, the first one, the worst one's gone. Uh, you know, I'm sworn to secrecy, so I, so I ain't gonna tell you who who I think is going or or, or is going. But uh, you know, it ain't over, and and Freeze knows that, and uh, he's got to get this program back on track. And these kids played their heart out. They they uh, they did what they could. They they were never developed from the beginning. The coordinators failed in their job developing these players, and, and some of the coaches, other coaches, are also at fault. But uh you know, with that being said, I just hope that we get the uh, right people in here. I have an idea who's coming in, but like I said, I'm, I'm sworn to secrecy too, so I don't want to give nothing away, but you know, if you got an idea, uh, I can I can agree with you or not agree with you.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, uh, there's anyway. there, yeah, there's some names floating around right now and and you know it's it's pretty early still and and I think there's there needs to well what needs to happen first, and we talked about this a little bit in the first hour, Spectre. What needs to happen first is for Hugh Freeze to realize and make a decision, what type of offensive coordinator does he want to hire, right? Who does he want to hire, and what type of coordinator does he want? Does he want a play caller? Does he want an offensive genius, mastermind, right, the words we've thrown around for 15 years around this program? Or does he want to hire somebody who's a quarterback's coach and a developer and is going to stand on the sidelines and be a yes man and Hugh Freeze be the offensive coordinator, basically? I mean, that's what he needs to decide right now.
5: Yeah, uh, I will say this. You're, you're right on one thing. The, the, court, the offensive coordinator is going to be that type of person that uh, is going to be looking down on the field and telling him, telling, giving Hugh Freeze what he can't see on the sideline,
4: mm-hmm.
5: and and uh, that will be basically the extent of play calling for for the offensive coordinator. But he will be a a quarterback developer and a player developer at that. Now, uh, the offensive line is is also a problem. I mean, it took an injury to get us a good combination of players. That shouldn't have happened. We should have been using these players, to, what you can do at guard, what you can do at tackle, what you can do at center.
4: Mm-hmm. And
5: if you can't do it, we'll go to the next guy. But um, but anyway, i uh, I still got more work to do anyway. I, I can't think of anything else to tell you guys this afternoon.
1: Well, that's not bad for a Friday afternoon, Specter. We appreciate the call, man. I'm sure I'm sure we'll be hearing from you more over the next few weeks. 334-321-1390. And and look, you can definitely tell that uh, that Specter is is a little fired up. He's he's oh, yeah. he's passionate. He's one of the most passionate callers we have and and rightfully so. And and I think that is a very well shared feeling from Auburn fans. I think a lot of them, yeah, we talked about this, man. I mean, it's it's so tiring to watch an Auburn offense be bad. Not even like mediocre. Just be bad. And not have the and it just like not even have the ability to be explosive and make big plays and have the the exciting moments on offense. I mean it's but it's been like that for so long. And I think to Spectre's point when it comes to whoever the new offensive coordinator is and there's been a couple of names floating around that we can chat about but I think that's just the best move. I think Hugh Freeze knows this. I think the fans know this. And I'm sure the athletic director knows this at Auburn, too. Like, it's time for Hugh Freeze to use that brain of his because he's so good offensively. He is. He's so good. He's got to be the man. And this is something different than what I had said in the beginning. I wanted him to hire somebody and be more of the CEO, game manager, handle the program, but... And, may, and that may still be a possibility down the road. But right now in the beginning, Uncle T-Bone, that can't happen.
2: Yeah, I think that that whole I'm the CEO thing is a little overrated. Like, you know, people are always like, Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, a CEO. You telling me that they're not just about in on every single decision that's going on during a game? If they weren't, they wouldn't have that headset on. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, that's that to almost all of these head coaches are wearing headsets. They want to have their say so on what's going on. It might not be a specific uh, alignment within a play call, but I can promise you more times than not. One of them has said, run the ball here, run it to the right, I see something. And, you know, I'm going to go back one more thing. I think we may have some breaking news. But I'm going to go back one more thing that you said. This whole You said, I think yes man's a little harsh for whoever they bring in. I think it's more of a collaborative type thing. And when Auburn was rolling offensively with Gus Malzahn, there was a collaboration between he and Rhett Lashley. Yeah. I mean, bottom line, one would be on one side of the sidelines, mm-hmm. one would be on the other, and they were constantly talking about what's going on, where we should go, where we should attack. And that's more or less how that I think that should work.
1: Speaking of headsets, you bring that up. Did we ever talk about Auburn not using the radio communication in the ball game? Not. We I don't think we ever talked about that. The amount of texting and, and, and phone calls I was getting about that during the ball game from just people that I know and the fact that Maryland was using it and Auburn was not. I don't think we've talked about that yet on this show. It's how just, wild is that?
2: It's just another example of how lackadaisical Auburn took, Auburn's coaching staff took this bowl preparation and game. I mean, bottom line, they didn't take this game serious.
1: Mm. I and, mean, you know it, And that's not it. something that Auburn
2: just, fans want to hear. I'm just telling you the truth. Yeah. I mean, uh, the head man who I believe in came in after the game and said that, you know, he had just basically started this week looking at some bowl prep. He thought he could trust Philip Montgomery and that staff to handle it. They didn't
1: didn't work out just did like
2: it? the New Mexico state game mm-hmm. you know now that that whole explanation is not going to that dog will not hunt moving forward with Auburn fans so uh, you know you probably don't want to try and play that card ever again, but I think that's indicative of these uh um Changes that you're seeing right now on the planes within that coaching staff, and I think you're going to see a few more. Here's a few things that I understand about Hugh Freeze and what he's looking for in all assistants and his coordinators, no matter who they are. They better be able to, A, number one, straight up recruit. It's easier to coach five-star talent to be great than three-star talent. (laughs) You don't don't say. (laughs) I mean, if Nick Saban didn't have five-star and four-star talent, at every position, multiple deep. He's not done what he's done over the last, oh, I don't know, 16 years. You saw what he did in 2007, his first year. They were mediocre at best. They looked a lot like this Auburn team. They may have looked a little bit better, and you never heard Nick ever say, I wasn't in on part of that game planning. But other than that, they looked a ton like Auburn. They had players, uh, wide receivers especially, not really hustling and going after the ball named D.J. Hall and Keith Brown. You know, they had a quarterback who looked terrible that season at times, and at times he looked pretty good. He came back the next year and took his team to the uh, SEC Championship in John Parker Wilson. You know, they had an offensive line that was bubblegum and patched together. They had a defense that was pretty solid and kept in a lot of games, but broke against good teams late in the game. Mm -hmm. So you got to have the talent, and you better be a recruiter first and a coach second if you're going to be on Hugh Freeze's staff, and that's what you're going to see moving forward.
1: Some interesting names that I've seen already, and we can talk about this and everything else when we come back. Some interesting names that have popped up already for the potential offensive coordinator for Auburn, Derek Nix, Damian Craig, and Ken Austin are some names that I've already just seen on, on social media and other places. So what do you think? Who's your pick for Auburn's new offensive coordinator? Give us a call, 334-321-1390. That and some basketball talk as we get into the back half of our number two here on the Friday edition of On the Line.
0: On the line with Jacob Goertz on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader.
1: 30 minutes in, though, 30 minutes left. I can't, dude. I can't. Our conversations in the break are stupid. Oh, my gosh. All right. All right. Professional, here we go. 30 minutes more on this <laughs> free-for-all Friday. to get it together, Friday. Jacob. <laughs> on this free-for-all free for Friday, Friday, my oh, man. Bring us back from a segment one time, Uncle T-Bone. I need your uh, help here, Yeah, man. I'm going to tell you, give us a call at
2: 334-321-1390. I think I just broke Jacob Goins with <laughs> laughter, so he'll be okay here shortly. Oh, uh, We're God. talking about all kinds of stuff. Give us a call, Philip Montgomery. Oh. Huh now former Philip Montgomery, hitting the portal. He's been told, given the big heave-ho, offensive coordinator at Auburn, some names dropping around, Derek Nix, like Jacob said, Damian Craig, Kent Austin. Who do you want to see realistically as offensive coordinator at Auburn? I mean, let's not say uh, Joe Brady or or, you know, or, or Steve Spurrier Jr. or somebody. Give us a real name, right, of someone who can dial up some plays. I think that it's going to be Hugh Freeze. I think that Hugh Freeze will be be your basic play caller along with somebody who can communicate with him what's going on the field, communicate to him what they're seeing, and they can almost collaborate together. That kind of leads me to Ken Austin, who's already on staff at – Auburn Ken Austin I believe is a special assistant to the head coach and quality control assistant at Auburn but you know who knows there's going to be some other staff changes Jacob I'm just telling you we're just all kind of waiting there's been some names thrown about I think that uh, you know I don't want to rumor monger here that's not what we do and it's not right to do to anybody especially if the news isn't right so we're just going to wait back and see if those changes come today tomorrow or into Monday
1: yeah and you know there's we don't want to be like you said we don't want to be those people that oh we may or may not have news but that's kind of where we sit right now we I mean, there, really do I mean it, it you know there's there are things being said and things that we're hearing behind the scenes that it, it just and and here's what I'll say about that after a season like you saw and after it being the first year right the first year of a new head coach an entire new or not an entire but a mainly new staff like You typically see this at any program where a new coach comes in, brings in a bunch of coaches with him. There's a ton of new faces around the team. Typically, not everybody survives after a year, right? And whether that be the parting of ways or being fired or even coaches leaving for other jobs, like... That tends to happen quite a bit in a first-year program and really just in college football in general. I mean, look around the country at the amount of people, amount of coaches that leave to take bigger jobs or take other jobs, sideways jobs. Some people take steps back, but whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, it it happens all the time. And for, for this program in particular, for Auburn football, We just know throughout the year, things we heard and things we talked about, like it wasn't perfect behind the scenes. And so for Hugh Freeze to really control this program and for it to be his program like we've said it needs to be, some decisions have to be made. And a lot of those are not going to be easy. And whether that be changing of coaches at certain positions or – telling players, hey, you probably should be entering the transfer portal or whatever the case may be, or going to donors and saying, hey, we need more money when it comes to NIL. Like Those are not easy conversations to have, and they're not easy decisions to make, but if you want to turn this program around and you want to be sure you get this thing going in the right direction, those are the hard decisions you have to make, and guess what? That's why you get paid millions of dollars to do this job. It's because you get paid to do those hard things.
2: Hugh Freeze was hired on November 28th of 2022. I believe that locally that news was breaking here on this radio station and on this show on the line, which is really cool, right? And um, look at that time frame when he was hired, 11-28. Signing day was like 12-12 12-12 last year. It was a little earlier. He had about maybe two weeks to try and get some semblance of a recruiting class put together because what he inherited last year from Brian Harson as a recruiting class was terrible. So my point is, this guy had to jump in and really and truly hit the recruiting trail mm-hmm. immediately because it was bleak and bad. Pulled that together. During that time, and I think that My feeling is lots of times when these coaches are hired like that, especially late in a football season or afterwards, you're kind of relying on some of the people in the athletic department, right, to say, you know what, let's get you an offense. While I'm out doing this and I'm out busting recruiting, give me three names of offensive coordinators because it's impossible for me to believe that Hugh Freeze has a list of like five offensive coordinators, five defensive coordinators, five line. Just in case I get hired, I can call these people immediately and put a staff together within 24 to 48 hours. That's not how that works. So some of these people, if that theory holds true, were probably, I don't want to say pushed on him, but say, hey, this guy's available. We know him. What do y'all talk? Y'all talk through some things, and we'll get him set up. I'm not saying that the athletic department hired his staff. Some of these people were already here who may or may not be leaving, right? Mm -hmm. So that's an easy keep because you just had to get a staff together. He needed help doing it. So like I'm saying, some of these people, they were just easy plug and plays. Let's get through this season. It may or may not work. We hope it does, and we all gel, and we're just a happy fraternity over here as the Auburn coaches, and we're all going to move forward together. But that's not how the real world works.
1: No, it's not, and... and it pretty much at this point is just a waiting game, and I again I think what it comes down to for Auburn fans is they just want to see, they want to see some some change. They want to see some progress. That's the word. That's right. the word they're looking for. This is what
2: progress, in my opinion, looks like after a first year. I talked about the Alabama uh, first year under Nick Saban, his offensive coordinator at Major Applewhite. After that season, he gone. Went and got Jim McIlwain. Kevin Steele wasn't – Jim McIlwain. Kevin, yeah, from Fresno, who was a great offensive coordinator for them. Kevin Steele was not canned, but he was reassigned, and Kirby Smart became the the, uh, defense coordinator. I think there were some other staff changes. That's when the coach has time to breathe after that first season. How do I want to do this moving forward? I'm in charge. If we're going to have success, we're going to do it with my team – my coaching staff, and if we fail, then it's all on me, but at least it's going to be all on me and not somebody else pushing somebody on me.
1: Yeah, there's lots of, lots of changes going on right now um, about everything with Auburn football, really. And, I mean, there's, uh, again, we talked about, I previewed some of the names that have been floating around for who could be the new offensive coordinator. Um, those names, uh, Derek Nix, um, Ken Austin, I mean, those seem to be the two favorites early on right now. Of course, Austin would just kind of move up, um, and then Derrick Diggs would come over um, from and be for Auburn. And so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, at this point, you just never know.
2: Can I say something? Somebody, anybody who can really dial up plays right now in college football, and I actually like the Dillingham kid back in seventeen, eighteen, seventeen. 18, 17, I used to scream out, dilly, dilly, whenever we made a great play or a bad one, which is unfair to him. Dilly, dilly. That's the old Bud Light But that kid was like 28 years old. He got hired over at Oregon. Anybody who can straight-up dial plays in today's college football world, they're not even an offensive coordinator here for very long. They become a head coach. Yeah. So they're not easy to come by. You just don't go out there and say, you know what, we're going to go get the next great play caller. That guy is either at a big-time program, and you're going to have to pay Buku money and get him down here to get him, or he is already a head coach. So you've got a coordinator right now who's the head coach and made his bones doing it. I'm, you know, Jacob, I don't know how else to put it to folks, and I know there's a lot of Auburn fans who are really nervous right now, and they're like, all these staff changes and instability – This is, if I were having a heart attack, I would want to have heart surgery. That's progress. But I wouldn't want to watch it. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I wouldn't want to sit there in a mirror and see it. Open heart surgery is probably one of the ugliest things you could probably ever watch.
1: But it helps. It helps. (laughs) And, you know, I pose this question. You know, Auburn fans, just not even Auburn fans, fans in general, Most of the time, don't like change because change is scary. Change is unpredictable. Change is something where the future is not known. You don't know what you're totally getting into. And when it comes to change for fans and it comes to coaches, right, change is either not wanted, like do not change a thing. We're happy with who we have and we love the guys that are here. Or it's like, hey, get this guy out, which is kind of what it was with Phillip Montgomery. But what happens, Uncle T-Bone hypothetically, what happens if there are people from Auburn that get that leave or get let go that fans are a fan of, right, that people are really, really liking? And we see this with coaches. We see it with players. I mean, we see it all the time what happens if that happens in this situation and you have to accept the fact that things are changing and you have to grow and and things might be different and look a little bit different than they have here in the past at Auburn
2: boy that is a tough tough thing to put out there Jacob and I kind of I'm picking up what you're laying down say for example you have some type of legendary person on your staff not naming names and you and you They're just not really what you want or it's not a good fit or it's just not working or whatever. I mean, this happens in several, several organizations in business for people who have been there for a long time and done one heck of a job and everybody loves them and they go way back, but the new regime comes in and there's changes they want to make and maybe there's some resistance. You know, they get let go and there's hard feelings, but you know what, brother? The show always goes on and you got to trust no matter who who it is, you gotta give them the trust. And that included Brian Horson. They gave him time. He was the head coach. He made changes after the first year, too. They obviously didn't work and it was time to pull the plug, but you gotta trust that you got the right guy to run your program or run your business or run your organization or run your political party or whatever. And you gotta give them the keys. You can't just hover over them and say, hey, what are you doing there? Hey, what are you doing there? You know, as the customer, as the fan, we have some say-so. But, you know, it may not be what you like, but it may be what you need.
1: 334-321-1390. We'll take our final break real quick. we got Dak waiting on us. I want him to have plenty of time. When we come back, we'll let him talk about all of this. And we'll wrap up the Friday edition of On the Line here on ESPN
0: 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502.
1: Winding down here on this free-for-all Friday edition of On the Line on ESPN 1067. He is Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins. We got one more phone call we're going to get to before we get out of here for the weekend. 334-321-1390. Dak, you're on the line with Uncle T-Bone and Jacob.
4: Hey, guys. Good to hear you
1: today, man. Yeah, man. Good to hear from you. What's on your mind?
4: Well, I'm just going to uh, talk about what T. Ball was talking about with play callers. There's a lot of good play callers out there, but I want a guy that can adjust on the fly, that can change on the spur of a moment when something ain't working, that can formation people to death, and that's the key. That's what that uh, you know, Gus wasn't good at, and uh, you better if, believe that.
1: Guess,
4: yeah, and my guess is if Montgomery wasn't on Hugh Freeze's list. He got the, he got him from Gus. I'm willing
2: to bet my life on it. Yeah, I mean that's what I was talking about earlier. Kind of when a coach comes in that late in a football season and must hit the recruiting trail, especially like the situation at Auburn where he had to salvage anything he could because it was so bad. You rely right. on folks that you know in the industry or or within your athletic department. And that's a great point about Gus. And you say, look, man, you know, w- w- help me out. What? Give me some recommendations. You know, and, right. and, and because, I mean, that's just very few coaches out there just have a Rolodex of people they could call and those people drop everything and then begin start working for them. I mean, it's it's very complicated. And I'm with you, too, on the play calling. You know, every play caller, every offense is going to have some type of system. But whoever is calling the plays has to be able to adjust said system. And Gus Malzahn just couldn't adjust his system. No, no.
4: He was- four plays no matter what, and uh, and I got so sick of him going forward on fourth and one, and people putting nine people in the box, and we would get minus three yards, but it didn't matter. He was going to do it every
1: time. Well, everybody in the stadium knew what was coming, Dak.
4: You're absolutely right, guys, but man, hey, what a job the Michigan office coordinator did against Alabama. Uh, That was strong. Talking about just a simple adjustment, you realize every. Three yards the play they went to was a simple pick play but they changed it up how a normal pick play is done they threw it to the running back and they knew the linebackers were manned with the running back and they picked the linebacker with two
1: receivers mm-hmm.
4: and it worked every
1: single time well that's what it's about you can run the same style of plays but you can't run it the exact same time every time right. defenses are too smart man they're going to pick up on that
4: my show guys thanks See so much
1: man me. yeah appreciate the call Dak 334-321-139 3, 3, 3, as we round out the Friday edition of on the line and he's right he's absolutely right look Dak knows football he, he's been on here a ton and we know his his background I mean mm-hmm. you can have a style and you can have a way that you call an offense whether you're the coordinator or the coach or whoever you are you can have that and every coach has their identity I think you said that but you have to be able to adapt and adjust Because guess what? There's some really good defensive coordinators in this SEC and in college football. And there are ones that can pick you apart and plan for you. There's enough film out there. They know how to defend you. So you have to be able to scheme up something different. And that's hard. I I can't do that. I can't. That's why I get paid to talk about it and they get paid to do it. You have to be able to do that. And Auburn, their last seven offensive coordinators just haven't been able to do that. And that's why you're going on seven coordinators in seven years on the offensive side of the football.
2: Yeah, some of those coordinators probably had different uh, takes on the system they were trying to run, though, and that there's the interference from the head coach. Right. And, and then it turns into the quagmire of who's calling plays and who is not. One thing that I appreciated about what Michigan did, well, several things I appreciated, they – they come. They were motioning people. They were shifting. They were giving looks to the Alabama defense when they came out of the huddle, uh, and then they would shift in motion. They were running plays, the same plays on certain on on one side of the field, then running the exact same play on the other side of the field. They were running crossing patterns, which Auburn fans, if you remember, the 2017 Iron Bowl. Uh, Auburn cross-patterned Alabama to death, even to the point where there was, I think, a play where two of the receivers like high-fived each other coming across the middle. That gave Alabama serious issues. They were working in the tight ends, they were working every angle of the field, and then they were mixing it up with runs from on on all their their run blocking and run scheme was
1: fantastic, and uh, it was NFL level, man. Let's get to the phone lines really quickly. We got about a minute before we got to get out of here. Jr., you're on the line, man. Go ahead.
5: I'm I gonna tell you i got equipment quit with all the Gus slander, man. He, uh, his, his record was comparable with any good coach Auburn's ever had. And uh, look at his record compared to the one we got now. Look at their head-to-head record.
4: Not saying that
5: Gus wasn't time to go, but I'm just saying that y'all making him out to be a lot worse than what he was. Well, I mean, that's... He, did in a, he did it in a time when the
4: West was. a – good as it's ever been
1: I mean that's fair and he brought a lot at the beginning but my our biggest concern with that was it was the same when he got here to the same day that he left nothing had really changed that's my biggest issue
5: well that's right but in a historical point they won just about what auburn's won their whole existence
1: well but, you're you're right yeah. about that okay appreciate the call thanks three three four three two one thirteen ninety hey we're about to get out of here What's your pick for tomorrow, Auburn, Arkansas, and basketball? I've got the Tigers winning. I think Auburn wins. I think they win comfortably down the stretch. I think they're too good and too deep for Arkansas.
2: Yeah, I think Auburn takes care of business, but I think it's a little bit closer than what people think. Uh, go I go
1: out on a limb. I think Auburn covers
2: tomorrow. Boy, I'll take uh, I'll take Auburn eighty to seventy seven tomorrow in a uh, snowy and winter felled. Fayetteville, Arkansas, Bud Walton yeah, Arena. Buddy. So we didn't get around to other picks, uh, some good games tomorrow in the SEC. All teams are playing, so uh I'm ready to see some Auburn Tiger SEC basketball, my man. I'm with you. I think Tigers win the game, but uh, Arkansas gives them all they want.
1: You can tune into that tomorrow, 1230 pregame, 1 o'clock tip here locally over on Wings94.3 and WingsFM.com. Stay tuned right after that for after the game with Jump and Jack Cuddin'. Normally Kyle Rush. This time it'll be Uncle t and Him and Jack will be in the studio as soon as the broadcast for the Auburn Sports Network is over. Stay tuned on Wings94.3 and WingsFM.com. Those guys will go live for the call-in post. Game show. Also tonight, Auburn High School basketball 96 3 W. Lee host in Central Phoenix City. That's with Jack Cudden, and I'll be calling Lee Scott Basketball hosting Springwood over on Tiger Country 1045. Uncle T-Bone, have a great weekend, man. We're going to have a lot to talk about come Monday.
2: Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of changes over the weekend, a lot of news. There's portal news every day. There's going to be a lot of people coming and going, maybe a little high school recruiting as well. And we will see what the staff looks like on Monday and have some. uh, hopefully uh, get
1: to talk about a big Auburn Tiger basketball win. Until Monday, he's Uncle Tebow, and I'm Jacob Goins, two to four right here on ESPN 106.7. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.